0: Hi there, I'm Doug Coop, and happy to be speaking with you today. Two days after Christmas, recorded quite a few days earlier. But Christmas offers a gift of grace by nurturing the belief that the divine creator is willing to actually join us. To live among us as an act of great mercy. We all need mercy. And I do try to be grateful for every blessing that comes my way and I hope you do too. Life has not been easy for anyone this year. A couple of months ago, uh, feeling particularly beleaguered, I dashed off a letter to a faraway friend and it began, if listening to an old hymn while tears run down my face is an act of worship, I just spent a chunk of my Sunday morning doing exactly that. My wife, Margie, and I were contending with some trying circumstances at the time life was sore demanding. I needed a touch from beyond, and so I reached out to a soul companion in an email, even as the hymn that had prompted my tears reverberated in my soul. In recent years, hymns from my childhood sometimes resurface at opportune times, usually proving to be helpful to situations in my workplace and always somehow poignant for me. That's how he giveth more grace sprung to mind. Lyrics strangely familiar despite the fifty years since last I'd known it. As many of you know my day job is to hang out with people in distressing situations. There I often find myself using this song about grace because it speaks directly to suffering circumstances. By my reckoning, it communicates the heart of the Christian hope in the midst of the worst of times. It stresses underlying faith in the goodness of a loving God so that no matter what happens, it can be well with my soul. Receiving grace, however, is mostly about letting go. Like the recovering alcoholic who can only find sobriety by admitting abject addiction, The peace of God can only fully descend as the lyrics so nicely put it when we have exhausted our store of resources. Songs that speak to suffering souls generally come from souls experienced in suffering. The man of sorrows acquainted with grief is exactly the kind of presence that provides solace in sad times, something each of us can offer as we strive to learn from the ways of Jesus. Annie Johnson Flint was one of those, one who walked a long trail of tears. The woman who wrote, He Giveth More Grace, about a hundred years ago, knew what she was talking about. She was born, ironically, on Christmas Eve in 1866 into a family that went through a series of devastating experiences. She was orphaned and for a time unwanted. She was later adopted into a godly family and enjoyed some healthy years of girlhood growing up. But things turned sour when her adopted parents became ill, and Annie also developed a serious medical condition that was to plague her all of her life. It made her very dependent on the care of others, care that somehow, in some way, she would have to pay for. And it was there that her girlhood gift for poetry had a chance to flourish. And over time she, she wrote poems and she published, and over time her verses were widely circulated in Christian periodicals. Annie's themes reflected a confident faith in the face of adversity and demonstrated that one of the greatest, that one's greatest gifts are revealed when the circumstances themselves are overwhelming. When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. In the chorus, she declares her reliance on the faith-based source of this great consolation. God's love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundaries known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. When I think of grace, my first feelings are of relief, of release. I get a sense of a burden being lifted or a slew of depression ebbing away. Grace takes me to a place more settled, a fresh start, perhaps, or maybe just another surge of strength to make it through the day, or the hour, or maybe just the minute. I had the privilege of being with my dad the last two days of his life. At one point during a medical procedure being performed to ease some of his symptoms, he turned to me and asked, is this ordeal half over yet? In that moment, two answers formed in my mind. If dad was referring to the procedure then underway, then the answer was yes, just a few minutes away. However, the word ordeal connotes something longer a more protracted time of testing and if dad used the word to describe his soul's stint in an earthly body well this was an 87 year old man on the last day of his life it was well past half time and you don't get to stretch out the last minutes like in a basketball game the end was nigh the suffering nearly over final release his time had come everyone suffers. We suffer from different things and in different ways, but no one goes through life without unpleasant events. My friend Tim Calloway pastors a Baptist congregation near Calgary. He recently published a book entitled, God is Loser Friendly. In it, he looks at some of the key characters in the book of Genesis and observes how, from the very beginning, people have been a conniving, misbehaving bunch of deviants who blunder into grace and blessing. The heroes of the Christian faith all exhibit major character flaws. The fallout from these flaws is the disconnect any of us will feel when the way we wish things were in our lives are at odds from the way they actually are. Annie Flint had a vocabulary for these spaces. The opening stanza of the song speaks directly to the circumstances where she relies on God's grace. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow weary. He giveth more grace when the labors increase. To added affliction he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials his multiplied peace. It's quite a litany, isn't it? Burdens fatigue, labor, affliction, trials. She might have said ordeal as well. Human life can be hard. We need grace to get through it. Grace, however, comes with a high cost, nothing less than self-surrender, the sort of abdication of the ego to the universe. From that posture, we say, in effect, here I am, Do with me what you will, it will somehow be well. Grace, writes Calloway, is found or received. It is not won. The sad truth is that the cost of continuous self-disclosure is too high for most of us most of the time. We overestimate our ability to control our circumstances and tend to act as if we control more than we actually do. We cloak our vulnerabilities, hiding them deep within, so deep we scarcely know they exist. In some deep layer lie our lies, our resentments, our unhealthy habits of disposition. Everyone has some inner blight we'd rather not disclose. Yet to enjoy the full measure of grace requires us to face our most secret dysfunction, our sin, We need to to own our own undeservedness, repudiate the truths, the untruths we tell ourselves, the facts that we make up. We need to lay ourselves bare in the blind trust that a benign force will somehow secure us a blessed safety, a sanctuary where wrongs are forgiven, fresh starts begin, and sad spirits discover deep joy. Grace is the aspect of godliness we receive at Christmas. The birth of Jesus was heralded as an act of redemption. He shall save his people from their sins. This was an act of utter vulnerability, of laying aside the perks of divinity and submitting to a humble birth, a peasant's life, and an early, cruel death. The Jesus way leads to high levels of self-awareness, It is generous in its evaluation of others and honest in its scrutiny of self, high on empathy, low on judgmentalism. The Jesus way demands a certain denial of self, a setting aside of passing fancies in order to be drawn into a more perfect version of our essential selves, people fashioned in the image of God without the distorting filters of our human limitations. We were created for greater things, invited to receive the wholeness of who we were created to truly be. The grace of God grows our humanity. We become more human. I just wish it didn't take suffering to bring us to the place where we can receive such divine goodness. God's grace is often described as unmerited good favor unconditional positive regard given freely to all who will receive it. Annie Flint learned this through bitter experience. And each of us also has some burden to bear, some trial to endure, an affliction to contend with, a flaw to address. The grace we deeply desire shows up best when we set aside our own agendas and learn, like the Apostle Paul, that God's grace is sufficient for us and God's strength is made apparent in our weakness. A confident Christian faith knows this to be true. I conclude with some telling words from Jesus who said, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Lord God, hear the cry of our hearts when our burdens overwhelm. Help us to name our sorrows, acknowledge our flaws, and cast ourselves upon your goodness. May we be able to proclaim, as countless God-followers have done through millennia, that your grace is sufficient to transcend our present darkness, to become confident in our hearts that in the vastness of God's love all our sins are but a handful of dust tossed into the ocean. May it be well with our souls. Amen.